Blog Talk Radio. I fight myself, I fight God, just tell me how many burdens left I fight pain and hurricanes, the day I wept I'm trying to fight back tears, flood on my doorstep Life is living hell, puddles of blood in the street Shooters on top of the building, government aid ain't relief Earthquake, the body drop, the ground breaks The port run with smoke lungs and scarface Who need a hero? You need a hero, look in the mirror, there go your hero Who on the front lines, the ground zero? My heart don't skip a beat even when hard times pumps the needle Mass destruction and mass corruption, the souls of suffering men on deaf ears again, rapture is coming It's all prophecy and if I gotta be sacrificed for the greater good Then that's what it gotta be All powers to oppressed people African power to an African people And black power It's your brother Yang and Krumah Coming to you again on another Sunday And like always man I appreciate you guys Let me spend your Sunday with you you may be able to hear in the background, I'm out in the field, but you know how we do as revolutionaries, we roll. It's all about adaptability. We will roll with it, overcome it, you know, and uh, chalk it up. Man, we're talking about being black in America today. You know, just one of those talks, a little something, something. And like always, you know how I do. I always like to give a give a little, give the listeners a little something as to why I chose particular topics. And this one, three days I do. When you find me uh, with a free moment or something, spend a few of those minutes going through my Facebook, scrolling, and time just scrolling through, not looking for anything in particular, anything specific, just allowing myself just to take in the vibration of the, very, of the different uh, uh, perspectives Specs and and views of our people, and just taking all that in, man, it all came down to what is black. You finding a lot of what I see, even though I saw variety, I saw the diversity in us as a people, which I celebrate. You know, I really celebrate that. I think that diversity lends to definitely, in my opinion, of course. Um, Lends to is science that lends to innovation that lends to thinking outside of what 
what's called conventional or what is called the norms. Uh, so with the diversity. One of the things that concerns me, though, in our diversity, how hard we come at one another if we have various or differing, differing opinions, the ferocity in our attacks towards one another because we disagree, I think has to stop. You've heard that before. I mean, that there is no place in that for when about developing a nation on progression of a people. There's no place for hatred for such ferocity, for such heat. In disagreements, there is no, you know, the invasion, the bullying, the name-calling, the disparaging uh, remarks, everything that lends into this negative energy that would make one not want to voice it, make one not to address their issues and concerns. It's dangerous when any time a people feel like there's no... Uh, apparatus or no way for them to express their concern recourse. There's not only is there no one listening, there's no hope of any action being taken to rectify, to correct. People are saying is and I I find this sentiment, I find this the way that we deal with one another becoming not just at one point in time it was a scattering, a drop in the bucket. We really didn't notice it because our blackness our, our, our um, you know, innate, that thing that was in us that knew we all we were all we had didn't allow dissidents to voice in our community. We knew that was an open time. We knew that was what's crazy. Oh, Charlie, thing you want to be white and this and that. So they were kind of marked, and their rhetoric was, look, that's just that empty rhetoric, man, it, you know. We looked at them crazy. Now that that is the order of the day, and that is the problem, selling out, integrating, materialism, getting all you can get, next man. And when we say screw the next man, talking for a black that usually translates into us first and foremost. Screw black people because we emulate what we see. We emulate what we think most people we've seen to be successful has exploited us. So why not us? Us. Who better to know the burden of being black, who it is to be stamped a nigger, than another black person that despised hatred that we have for black skin taking place against us. is it to be black in America? How do we, you know, embrace all of us understanding that we face the same monster, that we face a lot of the same obstacles based on our skin complexion? What is it, what is being black in America when you talk about economically? I find a lot of times if we achieve something or achieve a certain status class-wise, economically-wise, some of us either feel superior, begin to uh, try to identify. I don't know how you could identify with white people. Let's talk about that. Even if you get your money and you think you're identifying with white people, you're, it's an attempt. 
you will truly never understand their sense of entitlement and privilege. You will never truly have that sense of security, that sense of despite how far I go, my life isn't in danger if you're a black person. So you will never be able to identify. You will never be able to wholly embrace the experience of being white here in America. That's one in that, that class thing. The other is for our brothers and sisters who make it, I like to call them the, uh, you know, I heard it said, and, and I think I'm going to take this phrase called the lumpen bourgeoisie. The lumpen bourgeoisie. The lower, and basically that is like a lower middle class. That's like, you know, what I call them the struggling middle class. That those people who have, I don't even want to say made it, but have attained a certain status economically that ties them into different responsibility, that puts them into a different bracket to where um, their concerns, albeit or for the advancement of the black race and independence of black people, they will tell you that the way that it is achieved looks different because of their social and economic status. And that's all right. That's a very real class. That's a very real segment of black America, of the black community that we don't address. Right now, our parties uh, and our organizations are very lumpen field and in instances lumpen uh, led. Therefore, it has that real lumpen appeal to the masses. And what is the lumpen? We have, we're taught that the lumpen is the below the proletariat, below the working class, the hustler, that street cat or sister that's out there getting it how they live. You understand? So when the movement is comprised, when organizations are comprised of this type of uh, element of our people that come from this type of social, cultural, economic understanding, the hustler, the part-time job here, if, getting it raw, getting how they live, maybe baby mama here, baby mama there, maybe doing what they got to do, a little herb here, a little son, a little herb, that's a little herb, whatever. You're getting it how they live. When that type of mentality or those type of people that come from that social, cultural, uh, economic understanding and class begin to fill the organizations and even take the lead in the organizations, naturally the appeal is going to be to their peer group, to more of those, more of us, that identify with that um, type of understanding. And when we do, which is very understandable, how we can alienate to a degree, uh, whether it's intentionally or unintentionally, I think a lot of times I, I, I do think it's unintentional. I think when you don't understand certain other economic classes, certain other, uh, other social classes, even amongst black people, it's easy not to factor them into a strategy for liberation. It's easy. You can, it's, how do you factor in an equation that is unknown? It's like doing algebra, and I'm terrible at algebra. <laughs> you know, how do you factor in this unknown equation to come up or this unknown, uh, yeah, this unknown equation to come up with the answer, or this unknown factor to come up with a proper equation. It's, it's impossible. Whereas 
the importance of it is because a lot of those people in that class have come from the lumping class, have hustled. If they haven't hustled, their parents have hustled to get them in a position that they are now. So there still is a relatability. There still is an identifiability, a connectedness to where they come from, a connectedness to the struggle, a connectedness to the raw hustle. We're not that far removed from slavery, Jim Crowism, segregation, and the years of that we're still facing now, the, in, the discrimination in the meantime, in between time, from then till now. So there's still a historical dialectic. There's still a historical attachment. Even though these people have may have achieved a certain social and economic class. Now, is there a chance of psychological drama based on the trauma that we faced as African, black African people here in America? Absolutely. Absolutely. Escapism is very real. I don't think anyone would want to continuously face the trauma. They face the exploitation and oppression that we face if we didn't have to face it. If we had an out, a lot of us that do what we do, the activism, those of us that have embraced revolutionary lifestyles and just the general masses that want to change and condition and are willing to face the hard truths, the naked reality of our situation here in America, if we had a healthy and proper way out, no, I don't think we would willingly face this. So what ends up happening is inside our own minds, we snap and we create avenues of escapism. No matter how well masqueraded in the best sounding intentions, our back to Africa movements, our Afrocentricitism, our Pan-Africanism, no matter how delicious it may sound, how just scrumptious is absolutely wonderful. All the plans, and ideas we have for the mother continent of Africa. But if we're not careful, if we're not careful, it becomes escapism. It becomes not only an excuse, but it becomes the rationale and the logic for your turning a blind eye on the brother and sister right here in your face. You have all the justifications in the world hidden behind the best terminology hidden behind the best scholars of Pan-Africanism and Afrocentricitism. We have all of these wonderful things. And yet, and we will use them as rationale, as the base, as the logic for our being negligent, for our brothers and sisters right here, because they don't fit into a, uh, a ideology or philosophy that there again, like I said, if we're not careful, just becomes a mean of escapism. And I and I say that with religion and everything that takes you away from the real life or the very real issues that we face day to day as black Africans here in America, as new Africans, black people, melanated people, whatever, you know, whatever, whatever's the going thing we're calling ourselves today. Those people that are oppressed for no other reason than the category they're put in based on their skin complexion. How about that? that type of thing. So with the understanding, clear understanding, and it's a horrific understanding. It's a terrible understanding. It's an understanding that says, I know that I don't have 
an identity that is accepted not only nas- not only internationally, not is it accepted nationally by other ethnicities, but we, the people that I belong to, don't even agree on an identity. That is a horrible situation. Listen to me. Let me go. Not only does the world internationally not agree on what we are or what to call us, nationally, right here in these America, other ethnicities don't know what you are. As far as an ethnicity, they know what you are called a cat. They call, they call you cha-ching, cash cow, baby. They know that much about the situation, but they don't even know what you are. Here's where the horror comes in. Here's where the horror movie comes in. When we ourselves can't even agree on what we are. If that isn't a crime, I don't know what a crime is. And this isn't, listen, brothers and sisters, this isn't an indictment against any of us. This is what I say. Take the bass out of your voice when talking to one another. Take the hostility out of your your, your voice when talking to one another. It isn't, no, I don't think any melanated person here in America chose this route, chose to be arguing over identity. This isn't an indictment against you where if you call yourself a Moor or a Muslim or a Jew or whatever, or if you don't call yourself any of those things, if you don't identify with, with any of the above, none of the above, it still isn't an indictment against any of these parties. It is an indictment against the crime that happened against free African people. And those free African people were enslaved. And we are the products of free African people being enslaved, kidnapped, uh, forced to um, breed, forced breeding, genetic manipulation, and all that old scientific stuff that they call it. You know, we were forced to participate and witness the appropriation of other people's lands. We've bred and and intermingled with 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 other people, indigenous people who look just like us. Some of us were indigenous. We didn't come from except that. We'll accept some came through the Mahafa, the the transatlantic slave trade, and some were indigenous to the lands. I will accept that. But he is neither in the government when we talk about being black in America. That part of whether or not you were a part of the transatlantic slave trade, you were affected by even if you were indigenous to this end, if you were a indigenous person, what they were called the Indians or whatever, you were aboriginal to these lands and you were 
did have a religion. You see, Trey, back to you, when we go back and look at his record, that a lot of the Abraham that really hated has a and later made up this race category could be black. I really apologize for the technical difficulties. Just got knocked off the line. But let's continue this flow. So we're talking about, when we talk about being what it is being black in America, um, I think that I one of the things that I like for us to discuss, and listen, you can press one at any time. I recognize you. Jump in with the conversation and we can rap about it. Uh, I'd love to hear your take on it. When we talk about being black in America, though, I I think that it's necessary for us to look outside and not allow them to get us caught in the bubble of ethnicity or race when we talk about what it is to be black in America. Because they get us caught into that and they play us. We'll start talking about race and ethnicity and what they do is they come in and they play on the whole black thing. We look at, come on, let's talk about being black in America. Let's talk about it. Let's be dead real. You, Kamala Harris, my man, my 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 boom coon, I ain't gonna say my boom coon, but my man, President uh President uh former President Barack Obama. What we never get, though I I like President Barack Obama, but you know, he like Kamala Harris, what we never get is a homegrown Negro. You get the people to play on black. You've had your ancestors and your predecessors struggle for these so-called rights for black people, and you know what they intended. You know what those things were written for. You know what that march was about. Dr. King, Jose Williams, Abernathy, Young, Jackson. You know what those marches was about. When they signed that, when Lyndon B. Johnson signed that Civil Rights Act in, in, in effect, you know specifically who they were talking to. They were talking to then what we call the black Americans, the Negro, us. But due to our lack of really accepting, um, I think, and, and I don't even want to say accepting. Yeah, I will say accepting. I'll say that. Accepting the reality of our situation, the reality of the extension of the African history, that being the enslavement of Africans and being brought to the shore of North America, that that being the continuation of African history. Not our start as a people, but we are a continuation of that great African history. Not accepting these things and shying from these things have allowed people like the Kamala Harris's to come in and fly under black. She went to Howard. She went to Howard. How many are Shaniqua? 
how many Akeisha, how many a homegrown Negress, for lack of better words, how many black girls didn't get a scholarship behind that? Because we're not vigilant on that. So we have these things that have been uh, laid open for us to take advantage of. By no means are they the solution to any of our problems. But they are instruments that can be taken advantage of. And, and never will you ever hear me say that any form of education can't be to our benefit. So that scholarship that when she marked down black, and received. How many a black young lady didn't receive that? So we have to stop being fooled and deceived. Now, am I saying to dislike her? No. Am I saying that, you know, oh, I, I could care less about that. She did what she did. She worked her black girl magic. <laughs> you know, she worked her black girl magic. What I'm saying is about when will we stop allowing black magic to be used on us? When will we stop being bamboozled, bedazzled by black magic, by our own magic, people using our own language, people using laws that our predecessors and our ancestors not only marched but died and bled for, to have certain rights to a people who not only did not have have rights, did not have existed. And this is funny. Not to, for a people that not to be recognized. Why? Especially for the black African in America, the new African in America. Why? Because we are interwoven into the fabric of America. Hmm? You and I are written into not just American history, but American future. The black man and black woman is the blood of America. We are the blood of America. And America has created a slot for us, created a order, created a working for us that will ensure to a degree her continuity, her continuation. at least in their favor. This is what being black in America should mean for us. It's time to wake up, and if no other time than the time we've seen going on now, blatant racism, the highest office in the land, a man holding the highest office in the land, espousing blatant racism, hatred, stoking the climate, fanning the flames, at no other time should we understand the what being black in America means and the potential that if we unified around this concept, the potential for advancement it could have for us. When we bow, when we venture off into the semantics of, um, you know, what we argue about now what we are, why we aren't black, we're this, we're that. When we venture off into that, we're dividing ourselves even further. Not accepting the diversity in a diverse people. That we were diverse when we were brought over here. And 
we were intentionally scattered at certain points and instances and parts of the history of the enslavement of free African people when we brought over here, further increasing the diversity. And then we interbreded it, whether forcibly, in some instances, voluntarily, some with white people, some with indigenous uh, and, and the aboriginal people. But nonetheless, it further created more diversity in us. And diversity should be celebrated. It's these diversities that help us not to conform to constructions, to be to be restricted by other people's regulations. These diversities in us as a people help us to think outside of the box. These diversities in us as a people give us options. And it should send out a message to our enemy, which I know that it does, that we're not cattle. The diversity in us, such as in examples as the Dr. Kings and the Malcolm X's and everything in between. So what is this black, what is this black in America? We're saying, okay, Yanga. So we're acknowledging the diversity. So how does this acknowledging or how us recognizing being black in America, how would it get us together, unify us, and even galvanize us in the advancement or towards our own liberation, our own freedom. When we recognize, when we ask what being black in America is, and we understand that we have diversity, then prayerfully we stop fighting over semantics. We say, okay, we're diverse. We're not all Moors, Muslims, Christians, Jews, whatever. But what is black being in America being? It is the experience that we receive based on our melanation based on our complexion, based Woo, man, let's see if I'm back now. They'll give me the blues with this show. So, <laughs> let's try again. Let's try it again. We'll come back. Uh, We're talking about uh, uh, I'm Yanga coming back. The technical difficulty off the hook, but you know you can't keep you can keep it real. So we keep teaching and we keep it cracking. Like that, like I said, go back. It's not about the wonderful thing. I think diversity lends to our creativity. It lends to our diversity is one of the main major ingredients in our um, um, you know what I'm saying? It, it's that Emphasis on the things that we are different about, and not the main thing that we have in common. That is really the fuel that will take us. It's really the spark that will ignite the fucking. If all 
focus on the treatment that we already based on a category, a category that has already been created. A category that has already been created for us. Our treatment through the system our situation with other ethnicities and with ourselves and our experiences. It's now man. We've been hearing that. But when we stop and think about it, it really is. And the way that we get away from it is simple. We retake what black means, progression. If it isn't progressive, we don't label it as black and we find any Every way in to stop whether it's in conjunction of if our own people, then we try to come back to back that with love. That sounds really hippie-ish, but we'll talk. If hate is being espoused against our people for religion, for a belief or something like that to really try to come back and combat that with love at first. You know, like other talking about in love, but giving love it doesn't have to be reduced to violence or even disparaging uh, remarks. Love is what I said, you know, um, like when the brother broke it down, lifting our vision eternally, when it's about lifting our understanding, when it's about elevating us out of a certain understanding. That's the type of love that I'm talking about. That's some stuff I can get behind. So, you know, if, and if we talk about me being black, just hanging on to that thing. Yep. Like I said, anytime you just want and talk to us, and we listen out to and we can see, you know, see what your take is. What is your take on being black? I mean, everybody has their different thing. That's what's funny about it. Everyone has what their take is on being black. Some people fight that if you're religious, religion is anti-black. I've actually heard that, no, religion is black. That's an interesting perspective. I would like to know why. Every uh, encounter that I had religion has been been with black people. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Religion has been a very integral part of black life. And my understanding of it. Everything from just uh, for a design of stability to revolutionary actions. Very revolutionary actions that have been inspired by some type of religious understanding by so-called so is that anti-black? You know, there again, my, my whole thing about being black is like point number five of the 10-point platform program of the People's Black Family Party Self-Determination. We want a true history. The decadent nature of this racist society and the truth of the black man and woman in this society. Why is that important? I think to reiterate, when the black man and the black woman know that they are interwoven into the fabric of this society, when they know that their story, not just but future of America, and, um, and 
incorporated you into its being, then you would know what the why the fight is so ferocious and what angle to attack the fight. A lot of times we just caught on that, you know, black and white, we're fighting a black and white. They're fighting for their absolute survival. They're fighting for their absolute survival. And the ones who understand it to that degree, the white boys and girls who don't understand fighting their survival, do understand their way of life. They're privileged. They're crazy on the damn highway, look at you and flick you off. They're fighting to be able to walk in there and be the most obnoxious, loudest, obtrusive individuals in the damn place because of their because of their pale, uh, pink-skinned selves. This is what they're fighting for. And I think once we understand fight becomes understand that this whole thing of black and white is to construct really uh, to justify their horrific treatment of a people and to recruit allies and to cause division among us. So we identify what's being black in America. One of the things that I like one time, and I didn't I know no contract with America. Addressing um, us specifically, what he called the descendants of slaves. I since have a new understanding after talking to my brother. He said, I call it the, right now, for I call it that homegrown Negro. You know, that homegrown Negro. That person, a person, us, the people who not only are suited to the soil in the making of this place, but have a vested interest to a degree. We have a vested interest to a degree. At least you didn't have an arc, a Noah's Ark. We have a direction that this country takes. We are so tired, we can't afford to sit back and just have the ripple effect. America, I don't care. But it has become a parasite to you. It leeches off of you. And unfortunately, this parasite is not one that you can just remove. And be done with the city as a ship going for nothing tangible, if nothing for nothing substantial, even if we're not depending on it for anything that's of substance, we've become dependent on it for its euphoric effect. The parasite gets us high, it gives us a euphoric effect. So with taking that into consideration, it's like dealing with the junkie. You have to wean them off of it. A lot of us speaking the shock therapy and speaking the, you know, uh, overabundance of, of, of radicalism, yeah, I don't think that we've really sat down and th- thought it through. What we're saying, what that looks like, not only for our individual selves and our personal selves, for the asses of the people. That's one of the questions. When have we when have we forgotten 
that this is for the masses, that this is for the people, that the people must be in, uh, must be not only inspired, but informed and encouraged enough to participate in their own liberation. That's what the whole black thing is about. We don't have to get so intellectual. It doesn't have to be so above people's heads. It just has to be very real and practical. Go back to like when I'm, I'm a 70s baby. So to go back to the 70s, to black was, when you knew what black was, it wasn't you go through this, you know, you didn't have to know it was the dude black don't crack baby black don't do there was a time when you could watch the news and hear hear a crime and automatically know that it wasn't a black person to commit this horrendous act we had lost a lot of its power. I'm telling you. Anybody could emulate us. When we thought it was cool, see, we had secured our position enough. They accepted that to be our culture. When I say accepted it to be our culture. We learned Chinese and Ojo and all that stuff. And you go in there and learn the Chinese, you not only learn Chinese, you know, you end up learning the culture. You end up getting a respect for the culture. They begin to teach you about history. They sacredness surrounding culture. We didn't hold that. So we thought it was kind of cute, it was cool. Is what you saw. I called it a mockery, buffoonery. And they began to dance like we dance and make the same music we make, hip hop and all these other things. And they took it to new. They didn't commercialize it, or it became commonplace. It became open for the world. And we lost our power in that. They're getting just another to create and uh, and ideas to be taken from. So we like in America that we've contributed to civilization, to all of society in general, specifically to the American culture. And the American people. And not only should we be proud of that, we have to start finding ways to reclaim that and to hold that tight. Stop giving it away. We have to be the ones to benefit. We have to be the ones to what they capitalize. <laughs> we have to be the ones to receive the rewards of our labor. The tranuity. We have to be the ones to receive that. The only way to receive it is, is, is for us to recognize that we are people. And this is how you know, this is how and this is how it goes. 
I mean, that's what being black in America is all about. At the end of the day, that's what being black in America is all about. Nothing smoke drawn out about it. It's recognizing that despite what religion, despite what philosophy, even what sexual orientation, that because you are placed in a category and looked at a certain way by the oppressive class, you are guaranteed a certain type of treatment. And the only way to stop this treatment is for us to band together to address these issues where we find these injustices, to utilize every tool at our disposal, to stop being think that we can afford not to utilize every tool. I'm talking about everything at our damn disposal. From marching with guns to voting. But doing it in a way that reflects a centralized direction. Doing it in a manner that reflects the people. Now, are we going to get all the people? No. Are we going to get all the people? No. But I'm willing to guarantee you that if you're talking about in a capitalist system where only 1% control all the wealth, how many black people do you think are in that world? So you may not get all the people, but we will reach far more people than the bourgeoisie and the elitists will reach. There are far more of us in the same social, cultural, economic class and understanding then there are black people outside of that. We do the teaching. We show black people what being black in America is by showing them not only what they face and are facing every day, but some possible, some possible uh, instruments that can be used, or not possible instruments that can be used to possibly alleviate some of the suffering until we can bring in the bigger guns, the bigger dogs, whatever. But being black is letting people know, yeah, we know we have problems. And here are some of the instruments. See, that's what we do. That's what, to me, being black has to take it to that next level. We have to keep just complaining. I think we've analyzed and assessed the problem so much, man. I think we have a clear handle on it. Hate supremacy, discrimination, I mean, we've, in every form, shape, and fashion, we have pointed a finger at it, spray-painted it, put a tracking beacon on it, recognize it. Black now has to move into some real tangible facts. They have to translate some real action, and this is where the coming. This is where the president, not combating the enemy, but educating your own, inspiring your own galvanizing your own to move towards their own liberation. This is why we see the elitism popping up in a lot of these organizations. This is why we see elitism popping up. Because it's easier to call those few people of like mind to stand around and say, we're going to protect the hood, and you take your people in there and all you agree anyway. And you don't go into inform, you go into combative form, not to inform, but you go back in combat form and become an antagonist in the black community, confusing the message of black liberation, confusing the message of black pride and black power with colonialist stormtrooper tactics. This is what we have to be careful about. 
when we go in like that, even if we're going in with our guns, they should be an encouragement as to what self-defense, as what a people's mission, a people's army, as what arming yourself looks like. And they should be not only encouraged to arm themselves, but encouraged to come up to you and ask you how. It should be open the floodgate of questions and possible recruits to the determination. If the mission isn't correct, if the objective and the aims are correct, then the practices, actions are going to be all wrong. And why are they all wrong? Because we're addressing what it is to be black in America. We're not addressing that. We're addressing everything else. I've seen groups go out and address crime. We're addressing whether uh, Trump uh, concedes. We're addressing marriage relationships and not what it is to be black in America, which is the nucleus of that, the nuclei. It is the center point of all of those. (coughs) Excuse me. It is the root that all of our bad decisions and mishandling of these issues are not understanding us being black. Therefore, our perceptions are going to be different because of the treatment we've received, the information we received, our cultural dialectic. So our reactions and our actions are going to be different. I don't care how much you admire. I don't care how much you want to emulate them. You will never fully understand the world of the white man and the white woman. If you eat their foods, wear their clothes, and buy their cars, because it is a world of privilege and entitlement, and your black ass has never had that luxury nor that experience. We all we got. So with that, man, I'm coming up on my hour. I appreciate everybody hanging out with me. I'll catch you guys next. Uh, nope, it won't be my Sunday. Sunday after that, it will be Chief War. Check out War. Check it out. I appreciate y'all hanging out with your brother. Nkrumah, People's Black Panther Party for Self-Determination. I'm going to leave you as I greeted you, and that's all powers to oppress people, African power to an African people, and black power.
Life in living hell, puddles of blood in the street Shooters on top of the building, government aid and relief Earthquake, the body drops, the ground breaks The 